Welcome to the Pick and Roll NBA podcast. In today's episode, we will take a deep dive into the outcomes of the games of the week. We will also discuss Kawhi and his load of management, the Greek Freak's dominance, Dion Waiters and his gummy incident, and the league's most improved players. And as always, be sure to like and subscribe. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Pick and Roll podcast. We are back at it again with another exciting week at the NBA, and we are here joined, as always, with Eric Holmes. Eric, it's great to have you again. How are you doing? Always good to be back on. A little bummed. My Lakers um, streak was ended last night, but, you know, still positive things going on. (laughs) Good, good. We always love your... Your Lakers bias on here. <laughs> we definitely need it. So we'll start things off right away with the game of the week that we had last week. We each picked one. And the first one that we picked was the Utah Jazz at home against the Philadelphia 76ers. And that turned out to be a great game of the week. Uh, the Jazz came out on top by three at home. Um, I predicted that they would win at home. Eric so that the Sixers would win. <laughs> but to Eric's credit, Ben Simmons did get hurt at the beginning of the game. That's a good thing for the 76ers. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. Ooh, okay. Coming out with the heat. Why do you say that right off the bat? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if I totally believe that. I just don't like Ben Simmons. And uh, the man can't shoot. I feel like it when worse comes to worse, he's just standing in the dunker spot and doesn't really do much. Jimmy Butler was the one doing everything last season when it came down to the crunch time. But no, that that's very true. I, I definitely agree with you uh, in that it seemed like the Sixers did not know who to go to down the stretch. I mean, Tobias Harris made a couple big, big plays, but I don't think he's the type of caliber player that you can uh, – rely on deep into the playoffs to get you buckets at the end of the game. I mean, the good thing is he's young, so hopefully he shoots more outside the paint, but he's taken like five jumpers outside of the paint this whole season. (laughs) (laughs) Those three against some Chinese team wasn't wasn't worth very much, I guess, for his (laughs) confidence. So let's talk about the Jazz for a little bit. So they're six and three right now, undefeated at home. They're tied for third in the West. Uh, what do you what do you think of the Jazz as they've been coming along a little bit this last week? The Jazz have been really good. When uh, Bogdanovich has been a great pickup for them. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw, but I mean, I'm, of course, everybody saw that's listening. Um, he he drilled a three pointer for the sick. win, buzzer beater, nothing but net. And so that was pretty sick. They had a great win over the Bucks, a great win over the 76ers, two very tough teams. Um, and, and they played really well. They they deed up against Giannis. Giannis fouled out. So they're playing really good basketball right now. Yeah, I think it's important to note that they're second to last in the league in points per game. So their offense, like always, uh, struggles a little bit. But they're also first in opponent points per game. So their defense is the best defense in the league. But this is – I saw a really cool stat that this is the first year since 1991 that the Jazz have had two players average more than 20 points a game. 
So wow. Don, Donovan Mitchell's averaging 25 right now, and Bogdanovich, who's just been a great signing for them, is averaging just over 20. I think his contract's worth 20 million, so right on the money, every point, every point per game is worth a million to them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think with him coming in, it's it's been so good to have Ingles really lead that second group and have Ingles coming off the bench and provide that scoring and playmaking. And then I've also loved the role that Royce O'Neal has been given because he's kind of got – he's worked his way into the starting lineup as the grit and grind guy. You know, last year it was Jay Crowder. Wherever Jay Crowder goes, he's always that guy for a team. But <laughs> – um, this this year, Royce O'Neal's really taken that on. He wants to guard the other team's best player, and he can hit open threes. So I think he's uh, he's done really well for them this year. Yeah, small market teams have to hit on the margins really well, and uh, someone that they've hit on is Royce O'Neal. He, he's been exactly what they need, defensive-minded, knows his role, knows when to take shots, knows when to pass, and he can handle most of the time the, the opponent's best player. So I think we can agree that the Jazz are, are rolling right now, and it's scary to think that they're always a second half, second half of the season team. They're, after the All-Star break, their schedule gets easier uh, for the Jazz. So I, I know they'll be right up there in the West. So let's just talk about the Sixers just, just for a second. So they're 6-3 and three in the East, undefeated at home, and all their losses have been to Western Conference teams on the road. So they've lost to the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Suns. Uh, so what do, what do you see this team as far as their identity going forward into the playoffs? Do you think they, they're still an Eastern Conference Finals favorite? Or what do you think from what you've seen so far? Um, I need to see their offense grow a little bit more. I need to see Embiid make sure that he's healthy and make sure that he can control his temper. But, I mean, if all – if all things go well with their health, I think they're pretty much a lock. I don't know if anybody can hang with them for seven games in the East. It'll just be overpowering with their size. Yeah, I think – so So, what do you think the ceiling of Ben Simmons is? Because you see him sometimes and you're like, wow, this is a 6'10 point guard who's just an athletic freak who has insane vision. But then, like, in the same game, he just looks useless out there when he doesn't have the ball. And it's just – it's it's so weird to watch Ben Simmons. I don't really know what to think of him, honestly. It's it's just weird. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, he's really unique. He's a, he, The way he approaches the game is a little bit um, different. And uh, I don't know, like, him having Markel Fultz, do you think – Markel Fultz added to anything like any of his struggles do you think that that like that whole situation um uh, influenced the way he was shooting and stuff like added more pressure to his shot and because all that stuff was going on with Markel well I don't know we see all the videos this offseason of him playing pickup games and hitting threes and and so I thought he was at least going to be attempting some and if not making some, but he hasn't even attempted any in the regular season. So it's just, I just don't know what to think about his shot anymore. I think it's just broke. Like, I, I don't think he's ever going to have a good shot. 
Yeah, no, I mean, when it comes to that, like, when he's attempting it all in the offseason, do you think it's just a mindset when he gets in the regular season game? Like, do you think he can change that mindset ever? Do you think he'll be able to overcome that? I don't think so in Philadelphia with the team they have. As long as he's with Embiid uh, in Philadelphia, I don't think he'll ever change that mindset. Yeah. So it will, it will be super interesting to see what the Sixers do in the future with Embiid and Simmons and kind of the direction they plan to go, whether they keep both of them still and continue to try to build around them or try to keep one and get rid of the other. That will be interesting, I think. In the you think he's economy. worth his contract in the next four or five years? Do you think he's maxed worthy? If he can't learn how to shoot, no. Like, you have to learn how to shoot in the NBA today. I don't understand how you play basketball for your whole life, someone like Ben Simmons, and, like, you live and breathe basketball. You play basketball every day for at least two or three hours, and how do you not have a jumper? Seriously, though. You have people rebounding for you for the last four years of his life. And how do you not have a jumper? Like, you can be put up as many shots as you want. How do you not have a jumper? I can understand why your jumper's broke. But... <laughs> Cold-blooded. <laughs> no, Eric. Eric hit some big-time shots for us. The interviews last year. Eight points in the championship game, baby. <laughs> On 75% shooting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to the uh, game that you picked for the game of the week last week. So last week I had the Bucks versus the Clippers, and this game was interesting. It caused a – it stirred up a little bit of controversy. The Clippers won, but Kawhi Leonard was load managing, and uh, there was a bunch of talk about load managing this past week and – the pros and the cons of it, and uh, it's a really tricky situation right now. But, I mean, it was a good game. The Bucks won. Giannis pulled it out. It was impressive that the Clippers, they're just so deep, and they still, like, Lou Williams had a great game. Trez Harrell had a great game. And uh, it's amazing to see that they can still compete when Kawhi and Paul George win, like, half of their payroll sitting on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's insane. So so what are your thoughts on Kawhi sitting out and doing the whole load management thing this season, just like he did last year and kind of has pretty much done since his early years in San Antonio? Um, I don't know. Like everything that went on with San Antonio, I think he actually is like sometimes that quad does hurt and he actually needs the rest. But then you have Doc Rivers going out there and just saying, Hey, like he's fine. Like he's one hundred percent. Like if if he needed to play, he would be playing. So I don't know. There's always like these mixed reports that is he act does he actually need it? And there's not there's a, not really too much data or anything that backs up load managing being effective. We've just seen Kawhi do it twice in the playoffs to where he or just like once really he's done it in the playoffs to where he really was able to take over. It's interesting to think about because. With Kawhi, I I think he really is hurt. I think that he's been hurt. It's been lingering for a while since San Antonio. Um, and you, you can't blame him because he did it last year and they won a championship and he dominated. <laughs> and so it's hard to say, oh, you shouldn't love manage because look at what happened when he did. And, but at the same time, my heart goes out to all the fans 
because when you're a huge NBA fan like we are, especially when you pay a lot of money to go to a game to see the your favorite player, there's nothing worse than showing up and seeing that your favorite player isn't even playing. And he could be playing, but he's not. And so I, get, I definitely see both sides of the issue. I don't think I agree with one over the other just because we've seen it work for Kawhi. So it's just going to be something that we're going to have to continue to deal with going yeah, forward. Yeah, there's so many aspects to it because ideally the players don't want to play 82 games. They would want to shorten down. But the league and the owners, they want the revenue that comes in. They, they get so much more money with all the games. Yeah. So, it, but at the same time, you don't want the players to get hurt and you want a competitive playoff series. So you just have to pick and choose where your battles are. And right now, I mean, um, I think it's best for the game that he's that he's good for the playoffs. I think it creates a lot more, like, no one's going to remember this game that he sat out in two weeks. So Exactly. For for the Clippers, it's a no-brainer. Like, they, they could care less about Kawhi sitting out in regular season games, to be honest. It's unfortunate that he sat out against the Bucks. Yeah. Um, do you think that's, like, a mindset that he has? Like, he didn't want to go against Giannis? Or do you think it just, like, it, it was a back-to-back, so he just chose one of them? Yeah, I just I I feel like he already had his mind made up. I don't think it's because it was against Giannis. I don't think Kawhi's scared of anyone. I just think it was because he's just he just doesn't play back to backs, which is crazy. So talking speaking of Giannis, let's just let's just talk about him just a little bit. So obviously, he is a freak. He's a Greek freak, and we've never seen a player like him before. I was looking at the stats of his last five games. In his last five games, he's averaging nearly 35 points, 15 boards, and six assists. (laughs) He's going off. I mean, his PER isn't very sustainable. It's like 35, which is just insane. Yeah. And uh, to be just having that much of a workload, I don't think it's sustainable. But at the same time, Giannis is making it look like it's so easy. Yeah, I just – I love his attitude towards the game. You know, we hear of the stories where uh, the Bucks coach even had to lock the gym because Giannis was in there too much. And if if the team locked the gym, he would go find a local high school and go practice. And he's just, he's just one of those old-school mentality players, and I just love how dominant he is. And, and in that Clippers game, he was even hitting some threes. Which, once he starts doing that, it's like, okay, there's really nothing you can do. Oh, yeah, he's too quick. He'll get by you. He's too strong. He'll pound you down low. And if you give him space and he can shoot, it's over. That guy is – I mean, he was, what, four for seven from three for that game? Yeah. <laughs> it's unreal. And he, he, and he gets to the line, like, almost ten times a game. So, it's just – it's insane. So do you think that he's in the running, especially with Curry out now, for a repeat, back-to-back MVP? Oh, yeah. I think he's leading the charge right now just with how much of a load he's carrying, how much, how efficient he is playing. He's leading the charge. Um, who else would you put in the, the MVP race through the first nine or ten games? I know it's such a small 
sample size, and this is an overreaction, but honestly, Luka Doncic, he's like a triple-double machine right now. Luka's balling. He's in the top 10 for every major statistical category. <laughs> yeah. For points, rebounds, and assists, he's in the top 10 for all three. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And, and I mean, you have to put LeBron up there, too. Just the fact that it's his, what is it, his 18th season? 17th. 17th season, and he's still doing what he's doing and just getting all these triple doubles. I mean, you just have to you have to put him up there as well. Oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, once Kevin Durant came. Like, it, it's hard for somebody to understand that they could be the MVP when they have, so, like, another top five, top ten talent on their team with AD being there. Yeah. But honestly, LeBron's, LeBron's meant so much to the team. The energy he brings on the offensive and now the defensive end, the, just, like, he's a – four triple doubles in the first uh, nine games is pretty good. Yeah, and and I think my dark horse for MVP this far, that who's always, I feel, is a dark horse and who always seems like he's underrated, but now I feel like he's not underrated. Now I feel like people realize how good he is, is Dame Lillard. Because the Trailblazers, they've had really bad luck with injuries and – just with everything that's going on there. And he's willing every single game that they've won. He dropped, what, 60 the other night? Or 50 the other night? Yeah, 60 against the Nets, but they lost. By yeah, the like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Dame Lillard is the closest player we have to Curry in this league. And I think that he can – he's shown that he can literally take over a game. Yeah, Dame's – Dame's crazy good. It's unfortunate. I mean, he's one of the best in the pick and roll, but they don't really have anybody to pick and roll with. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Collins is out. Nurkic is out. Whiteside doesn't move his feet. <laughs> he's, he's doing the pick and roll with uh, Scala Vizier. <laughs> <laughs> no, so they, um, they'll need to make a run. And if they're making a run, I mean, all credit goes to Dame and – if Dame's getting the right credit he deserves, I think he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah, I really hope that later on in the season they do all they can to get Kevin Love. Oh, for sure. I think he would work perfect with Nurkic coming back. Nurkic was balling before he got hurt. I think him and Nurkic together with Dame and CJ would be lethal for sure. So let's go into something that's happened – quite a few times this season already in the first 10 games, and that's players getting suspended. And we it started with DeAndre Ayton, who was suspended for – was he taking a performance enhancer? So uh, we don't know what he – he had a diuretic or a dietetic or something found – or I can't remember the height. It's like something like that. But what happens is – it flushes out his kidneys so that there's no trace of what he was using. <laughs> and so when that's found in your bloodstream, it just boom, 25 games. Yeah. And so we didn't know, we don't know what he, what he was using because he used something to get the stuff out as fast as he could. <laughs> well, it seems like the Suns haven't missed him much. Honestly, they're almost doing better than if he were there. <laughs> but the the other player was the one of the best. Uh, pick and roll men in the league, especially alongside Trey Young, 
was John Collins. And he he tested positive for drugs, right? Yeah, he had a he had a growth hormone. Yeah, so and then what was the most recent one this week? That was just insane. So Dion Waiters was on a team <laughs> on the team plane and had like a panic attack. And I've seen reports that he had a seizure too. But apparently he had some like THC chewable gummies. That's that reportedly a teammate gave to him, but he would ne- he doesn't want to rat him out, and so he was given a ten game s- suspension, and it's just a whole big mess with the on waiters. <laughs> that's that's weird because this episode is brought to you by uh, Trolley Gummy Worms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding. That's crazy though. That yeah, he's suspended for eating a gummy. Also, also before the season started, Wilson Chandler was uh, suspended for PED use. <laughs> so this is crazy because I was listening to a podcast and one of the guys were saying that back when Derrick Rose was on the Chicago Bulls in his prime, that he was asked by a reporter if using PEDs was a indeed a problem for NBA players. And he said, Derek Rose replied and said that he thought at least 70% of the players use them in the league. And that was back when he was in Chicago. So that was years ago. So I don't know if the NBA has just been turning a blind eye to it for all these years and now they're finally just cracking down on it or if that was true, what he said. Um, But it's pretty crazy that we've already had so many instances this early in the season. Yeah, no, it's it's not a good look for him. Um, back when Magic and Larry Bird came into the league, there was so much drug usage among the players, and it was like a, it almost cost the NBA like the like they almost had, like they were on their way out. They'd be doing like cocaine right before the game. <laughs> Luckily, Magic and Larry they saved the NBA, brought it up to a higher standard. But I mean, with all the stuff that's going on now. I mean, you better hope that that they that they. I mean, they're doing their best to stay on top of it. So now they are. We don't know if they were turning a blind eye, but now they're definitely. They don't care who it is if it's the former number one pick, if it's John Collins. So they're they're on top of the game now. Well, yeah, and I I don't understand how on all of these, on most of these instances, the players say, "Well, I didn't know what I was consuming." And it's like, you're a professional athlete. Like, your number one job is to take care of your body. That's the biggest, like, bullcrap I've ever heard, that you don't know what you're consuming. Oh, yeah. Your body's making you millions of dollars. You know everything that goes in there. You have somebody hired to make sure that they, they know what everything that's going in there so you can be the best athlete you can be. Yeah. So, so I'm not buying that at all. No. We're just going to switch gears real quick and move on to some players that we feel have been candidates for the most improved player through the first 10 games of the season. Last year it was Pascal Siakam, who definitely deserved it in all aspects. And honestly, we're not going to list him as one of the people, but he honestly could get it again. (laughs) He's, he's just, 
dominating on the Raptors this year without Kawhi. He's taking a, a bigger role, and I think he's for sure going to be an all-star in the East this year. He's just gone up even another level. Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, it's, been, it's been crazy to watch him. Do you think he'll do you, how sustainable do you think it is for him and with with this load that he's been able, that he's been carrying? I mean, he's young too, so he's got a young body, but I don't know how I mean, they are championship tested and they're super deep the Raptors are. We saw that in the game against the Lakers this weekend. They're still super deep. And so I think with the bench that they have and Nick Nurse is just honestly a really good coach. And so I think with the coach that he has and the bench they have, that he'll he'll be okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he has the green light to shoot whatever he wants. He, they just the Raptors play hard. They bring it every night. It doesn't matter if Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry are hurt; they'll still bring it every night. And um, I think it's been impressive to see what he's been doing. Yeah, it's been super impressive. So, Eric, who's your first player that? you've got for your most improved so far all right so this is more on the lower key um and but andrew wiggins has been stepping his game up he's averaging a career high in points rebounds assists blocks and field goal percentage and he's averaging a career low in turnovers per game and is he's averaging the second highest um a career three-point percentage He's also third in the NBA in fourth quarter scoring, which is really cool. <laughs> really though, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, it's been it's been consistent. That's true. Has it not? It's a small like like we've always been saying. It's a small sample size, but I've just given up on Andrew Wiggins. I guess I guess I haven't given up on him. I just given up on the fact that he's a franchise player. Yeah. No, um, he's definitely not a franchise player, but. He's stepping his game up. Yeah. He's playing better in the fourth quarter when it counts. And, uh, you know, it seems like he's happier playing. He's been given more of a, like, his, uh, his, he, has a, he has a greater drive to win. Which no, is what I, he needed. That's his big, biggest uh, criticism was his desire. Yeah, him and Towns both. So it's it's been cool to see them at least trying more. And it's obviously – helped his numbers this year so I can see why you say that what about you who do you who's one of your most improved players so one of the guys he's kind of on the bottom of the list is Bam Adebayo on the heat so last year he averaged nine points a game seven boards and two assists and this year through the first 10 games he's averaging 13 points nine boards and five assists with 1.6 blocks per game. So I think he's really stepped into that starting center role and performed really well for the Heat. I think he's an athletic freak, and he's still so young, and he's just going to continue to get even better. I don't think he wins most improved this year, but I think it's definitely worth noting the jump that he's made. Yeah, um, he's central to the, to the Heat, and uh... – they're, they, I like the, the way, like the mentality he's taken, the role he's taken. And if they, if the Heat continue with that, they'll, they'll be a scary team in the playoffs that you don't want to see in the first round, first two rounds. Yeah, you never want to see Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. 
He's a beast in the playoffs. So who's your who's your next guy? All right, this is um, I think he he's been de- like he, it's not like he's been slept on or anything, but this year he's taken his efficiency to a whole new level, and so I'm my second player is Devin Booker. Ooh, that's so a the, good one. The Suns they're more of a surprise team. I definitely did not see. I took the under on their win total, but they're proving me wrong right now. But he's the only member in the NBA right now that is that's a part of the fifty fifty ninety club. Oh, so normally, it's normally it's the fifty forty ninety club. But he's averaging fifty three point five field goal percentage, fifty from fifty percent from three, and ninety point three percent from the free throw. Yeah, I think we all know that Devin Booker has super just great scoring ability. He's one of the best pure shooting guards in the NBA, With even with how young he is. Being in Phoenix, he's kind of turned into the good stats on a bad team guy. So this year it's been really cool to see them winning games and to see him in the forefront of those wins. And just seeing him step up and be a leader and taking a bigger role. And so I wouldn't think as Devin Booker is most improved just because of how good he is. But I I like that you brought him up. I think that's definitely worth considering. He wasn't an all-star last year, was he? No. I think, you know, looking at someone like Devin Booker, um, not just like pure stats we shouldn't rate, but – the role he's taken on, the responsibilities he's added. You know, like you were saying, he's becoming a better leader. He's helping a winning team now. So I think those those should factor into most improved player. Those should factor into all NBA teams if you're making your team better or if you're just like a cancer to the team. So I think uh, Devin Booker's in my book. He's in the case. My book, Devin Booker. <laughs> he's he's in my uh short list for most improved player so my second guy is somebody who i loved even last year i was super high on him and he's even performed extremely better this year in the first 10 games and that's uh shea gildress alexander so last year when he was playing with the clippers he was averaging 11 points three rebounds and three assists and this year with the Thunder, he's taken on a bigger role and he's averaging 21 points, six boards, and three assists. So obviously his assists stayed the same from last year to this year so far, and that's because he's playing alongside Chris Paul, and they're mainly playing him at the two. And so obviously his assists aren't going to go up that much, but he's averaging 10 more points a game and through the first 10 games. And I've watched – a couple of the Thunder games, and he he can get buckets. He's super long and just just crafty. He knows he knows how to get into certain spots, whether he's driving through the lane or stepping back or just hitting jumpers. I just really like his game because he's also since he's so long, he's a great perimeter defender, and I just think he's going to be a really good player that you're going to want on your team in the coming years. Yeah, obviously OKC wants to trade Chris Paul. They would if they could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, having him to mentor SGA for however long he can is really good for him. 
Um, like you said, he's he's always going to be known as a tenacious perimeter defender. But if he's able to keep on expanding his his offensive game and, and on the offensive side, he'll be he'll be a scary threat. And it's pretty crazy how when you look at players that come out of Kentucky, they always do better in the NBA than they do in college. I don't know if it's because Calipari – there's been multiple reports that Calipari kind of hinders his players with the roles that he gives them. He doesn't give them total freedom to do what they want. We saw that with Carl Anthony Towns because he exploded when he came into the NBA and was shooting threes, which he never shot threes at Kentucky. And so I just think that it's important to note that the Kentucky players always seem to do pretty, pretty dang good in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I don't pay attention enough to college basketball to, to understand the finer things of it, but maybe it's a good sign like that Calipari's players blossom in the NBA. Maybe he's teaching them right. Maybe it's good that he's holding them back a little bit so that they're ready for more responsibility, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to look at it. So we each have one more guy left. And if I'm right, we have the same guy. So Eric, who, who do you have for the top spot and the most improved player so far this season? So this man, he has the green light to literally do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> he has, he's, taken a, a step back in the on the defensive end but he's taken like six steps forward and if you're looking at his body type six steps forward for Brandon Ingram is like 12 <laughs> steps forward for anybody else <laughs> Slenderman dude Slenderman has taken a huge leap forward and it's really exciting to see I always knew it would be there as a Lakers diehard I was super high on Brandon Ingram still am that's funny because awesome. it always looks like he's high out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Ingram has, is top 10 ugliest player in the NBA. <laughs> top five ugliest facial hair. I don't understand. They're, the man's making millions of dollars. Just pay someone $5 to groom your hair, bro. Him and Lonzo. Maybe they have the same barber. In the- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll go to barbershop, barbershop school or whatever, whatever it's called to – to help them out. They probably, have LeVar, they probably have LeVar doing their hygiene. <laughs> LeVar only knows how to shave his head. He's got that big. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I love the Brandon Mingram pick. So, last year with the Lakers, he was averaging 18 points a game, five rebounds and three assists. And this year with the Pelicans, who are atrocious, they're just not good right now. He's the only bright thing in New Orleans right now until Zion comes back but he's averaging 26 points a game, which is awesome. Seven rebounds and four assists. And the thing I'm super excited about is he's increased his range. He's always been a good a good driver into the lane. And even though he's so skinny, he's a great finisher, which is crazy. Uh, but he's he's definitely increased his range. And we know that he's very capable of also making plays and being a playmaker as well with the ball. Yeah, he took a lot of uh, strides forward last season when LeBron went down, Lonzo was down as well. He was balling out until he had the little blood clot, blood clot issue. It's unfortunate, but um, it seems like it's he's put it behind him. They've they were able to catch it early, which is great, and. Uh, 
His length, like you said, around the rim is insane. And then his length when you're shooting is just so hard to block a shot. Like, he can get whatever he wants off. I understand the Kevin Durant um, comparisons, but in, like, body sense type, but I, I don't think he'll ever amount to the player KD was. But how do you think he meshes with Zion when Zion comes back? Do you think his role takes a little bit of a hit? Do you think he rises in efficiency? Do you think he just plummets? How do you think it works out when Zion comes back? I think at first they'll take a little bit of a hit because they're going to try so hard to get Zion integrated into everything, especially the offense and making his presence known. So I think he'll be deferring a little bit to start. But when Zion gets a little more comfortable, I think Zion will make it easy, even easier for Ingram to continue to be more efficient. And he he is very efficient. That's one thing about Ingram is he's definitely very efficient. And I think if you do that draft over again in a couple of years, if you would ask anybody if they would take Simmons or Ingram first, I honestly think three or four years down the road, people would say that they would draft Ingram over Simmons. What's what's crazy is the man's 22. Yeah, yeah. He's 22. He's in his fourth year in the NBA. And, uh, like, coming in at such a young age, obviously he's going to receive a lot of criticism, but he's just like a teenager. Yeah. Now he's he better every year. He's growing into himself. He gets better every year. He still has four to five years before he's hitting his prime. And uh, I think he's just a, it's a scary thing to look at if you're not on the Pelicans. Yeah, he's definitely turning into an easy bucket. And I don't think there'll ever be a time in his career after this season where he's averaging under 20 points a game. Yeah, it's, he's been very impressive. Yeah, I definitely think so. So to finish off this episode today, we will go into our picks for the upcoming games of the week for this next week. So I'll start off. So these are two teams that you wouldn't normally want to watch playing each other. But on Tuesday night on TNT at 6 o'clock, Porzingis is making his return to Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. And I just can't wait to see the reaction that he's going to get in New York. What do, you, what do you think the reaction will be for the Knicks fans? Um, and they'll be, he'll be greeted with a lot of boos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's been known to criticize the league, or I mean the, the organization, which with all, I mean, it's super fair. Yeah. <laughs> Criticism's very fair. Doesn't have to try very hard to criticize them. <laughs> <laughs> but I still think he could have made it work. It's upsetting for the fans, especially after the way free agency went, the way it went down. So it'll be interesting. The Knicks actually got the better of the Mavs a couple days ago. Yeah, that was ridiculous. So maybe maybe Kristaps is going to come back to, the, to MSG and – want a little bit more yeah i think it'll be an entertaining game frank um played good Dion Doncic. he did that's that's the one thing frank uh nalikina can do well is play defense he can't do anything else oh (laughs) no uh, yeah he's uh, i don't know what to think of him 
I don't. They just the Knicks had a, such a bright spot with Kristaps, and they've kind of been missing in the draft. When they're in the lottery year after year after year, you kind of need to start hitting to get out of it. But yeah. they, traded, they traded away their one bright spot, and then their subsequent draft years have not been very good. And the sad thing about the Knicks is I don't feel like their culture right now, they're not trying to tank. Like, they they want to be competitive. David Fisdale wants to win games, which I think he's going to be out, out of there in the next week. But <laughs> that's the sad thing about the Knicks is they're not trying to tank, but they're so bad that they are. Yeah, they're impromptu – press conference they called the other day and he's like i'm surprised that we're doing this bad <laughs> like i could have sworn we'd be a playoff team i'm like dude what like how how do you think you have a playoff team with julius randall being your and rj barrett being your go-to guys yeah with four power forwards and four <laughs> point guards you're not going anywhere buddy okay <laughs> yeah i think he's out of there for sure i i'm hoping uh mark jackson makes Makes his presence in New York. Oh, I think that'd be. Fun. I I would only like that because I don't want to hear Mark Jackson on any more broadcasts. <laughs> Mama, there goes that man. <laughs> oh, okay, so who's your? Uh, so who do you have winning that game? First of all, I'm gonna take the Mavs. I think they'll be. They're uh, they're gonna be upset that they dropped that game to the worst team in the NBA. And they're going to want to prove themselves. Kristaps is going to be like, hey, this is this is my game to show what's up. Yeah, I'm taking the Mavs as well. Remember, if you want to check out that game, it's Thursday night on TNT, and it's at 6 o'clock. Eric, who's your pick for next week's game of the week? So Wednesday night, on the front end, and I'm choosing the Clippers again, but on the front end of a back-to-back, let's hope Kawhi isn't <laughs> resting again. He hasn't played in the back-to-back in a couple of years, so who knows if he's going to choose this game or the other game. But it's the Rockets versus the, the Clippers. So who's, who's at home? It's the Clippers at the Rockets. Oh, okay. Dang, I think that's a, that's a star-studded matchup. Do, do we know if Paul George is going to be back by then? Not yet. He's very close. I don't think he'll be back by then, though. Maybe next week. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, if Kawhi plays, that will be such a fun game to see him go against Russ and Harden in Houston. So, who do you have winning that game? Um, I'm going to take the Clippers again. I just don't – I don't like the Russ-James uh, Harden combo. Seeing them, um, just like their defense is horrible – they haven't really figured out an offensive rhythm yet. I know James Harden has been averaging 37.8 points per game on t- below a 30% three-point shooting, so he has another level to go up, which is crazy. But the Clippers, um, I mean, their only bright spot is their offense, and then you're going up against the Clippers who are so versatile on defense. Yeah. I just think it's a very bad recipe for them. And honestly, I hope Kawhi plays, and I hope he – Gives Harden a good old goose goose egg. I hope Harden doesn't score. This is the one of the few times I'll be rooting for the Clippers because I just do not like James Harden. It will be interesting to see if Kawhi plays. I think if Kawhi plays, it's a it's a W for the Clippers. 
but I think if he sits out, I think he means so much to that team that when you're facing Harden and Westbrook together, you have to have your best premier defender. And so if he's out, I think the Rockets win. But yeah, if Kawhi's playing, I think it's it's the Clippers for sure. For the reasons that you stated as well. Yeah. So look out for that game, five thirty on Wednesday on ESPN. All right. Well, here we are with another edition of the Pick and Roll NBA podcast. And we're just again so grateful for all of the support that we're getting. And we're getting more and more each episode and each week. Uh, Eric's continuing to climb and get more and more Instagram followers. Eric, didn't didn't my dad follow you? Hey, shout out to Tom who gave me the follow on Instagram. I respect <laughs> him for that. That's a big follow right there. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my dad for being such a loyal listener and to all of our other loyal listeners as well. Be sure to check us out on your favorite streaming platform and to subscribe and please leave a good review or a bad one if you don't like us but if you do like us please make sure that you leave the yeah if you don't like us hop on the pod we can argue for a little bit and see if <laughs> start better that's a great idea that's a great idea so we'll see you guys next tuesday and uh, we look forward to another great week in the nba